0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Building on the promise of his hallucinogenic debut, Go Down Death, filmmaker Aaron Schimberg delivers another brilliantly oddball, acerbic, funny foray into Gonzo surrealism in a deft, tragic comedy performance. Jess Weixler, who is also seen in the film Teeth, plays Mabel, a movie star, slumming it in an auteur art house flick being shot in a semi-abandoned hospital. Cast opposite her is Rosenthal, who was in the film Under the Skin, uh, is a gentle, good-natured man with a severe facial deformity. As their relationship evolves, both on- and off-screen, Schimberg raises provocative questions about cinematic notions of beauty, representation, and exploitation. And that is the premise behind this wonderful new film called Chain for Life, and we're fortunate to have with us the director of Chain for Life, and that would be Aaron Schimberg. Aaron, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, the film idea, the, what is the sort of the origin story of... Um, Chain for life.
1: I I, uh, I know it's such a <laughs> basic question, and yeah, I find it so difficult to answer. I, you know, I I was—is it an amalgam?
0: Wondering- okay, I'm sorry. Is it amalgamation of other, not one story, but multiple stories? Is that?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's sort of a, a subject that I've been interested in. Um, my whole life, I guess. Uh, you know, I have a, uh, I was born with a, uh, with a cleft palate, so uh, the issue of disfigurement uh, has always uh, uh, been personal for me, and, uh, and I kind of wondered why, as a society, our, our reactions to disfigurement are still so primitive, and I wondered, as a filmmaker, uh, to what extent, Film has influenced uh, society's perceptions of of disability and disfigurement. I mean, most films that have disfigured characters, and there aren't many, uh, usually are negative in their portrayals. So I, I wondered, you know, to what extent are these portrayals uh, reflecting reality or uh, some truth uh, about disability? Uh, human nature or whether uh, it it was uh, these uh, portrayals are shaping reality and uh, influencing people's perceptions. That was kind of the issue I wanted to explore, so I I wanted to sort of look at, uh, I wanted to survey the history of disfigurement in film, and uh, so the film Freaks is an obvious touchstone because it's, uh, you know, it's such a singular film and it deals so directly with the subject. And it's a film that I have really mixed feelings about. I think in some ways it's a masterpiece and one of the great films. And in other ways, I find it kind of insulting and stupid also in, in parts, but, uh, so I wanted to sort of just deal with my own feelings about these portrayals and not, you know, not, not with any, I, I don't really want to, I, I don't know if it's easy to answer any of these questions, I just wanted to sort of bring up these these questions for myself and explore them and then I just sort of let my subconscious uh, do the work. It sounds really pretentious. So. Maybe you should cut that part out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's it's an honest answer to to the question. I think that these are difficult things to grapple with because they're in 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 many ways uh, like so many other uh, unfounded fears. I think humans sort of uh, are. It's a it's a lack of context. It's a lack of understanding. It's it is uh, fear. It's fear. It's you're dealing. You're looking in the face of fear here in the film and. Or at least confronting people's perception of it and uh uh these are not easy they're not easy uh, uh, things to to portray in a way which which is what you've done so effectively here is portray um rosenthal who's played by adam pearson in the film uh in in a way that is humanizing and also in full and it's a full account of his person his personality of the character and i and i I just, uh, I think that's part of the issue, right? I, I don't think that, I think that you're, that's what this film felt like to me. Yeah. And... and uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I, think, I think, sorry, I didn't mean no, to go ahead, kind of cut you off, but, yeah, I mean, one of the things, one of the, one of the only distinctive things about people with disfigurements are is that people react to them differently. I mean, people with, people who look different are obviously... No different from anybody else, but uh, you know, they're treated differently or people, you know, sort of imbue them with these, uh, you know, special characteristics, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, being afraid of them or being fascinated by them. And yet, you know, we're just sort of people walking around dealing with that. And so even when I, when I was thinking about the film Freaks, I was also interested in people's reactions to that film. Uh, you know, a lot of people find it a very humanistic film, um, and I don't really totally agree with that. I think it's sort of... Uh, it pretends at times to be humanistic, and at times it is, but it also is uh, deals in, in stereotypes, and and uh, I, people also sort of fetishize the film as a cult object, and that's another way people... Deal with you know so-called freaks, and then also when the film came out, it was a box office disaster, and people were offended by it because they did not want to look at these characters. So these are all the ways people deal with disfigurement, and so that was another aspect of the film is you know dealing with other people's perceptions because that's really the thing that I think uh, you know separates disfigured people from. People who aren't disfigured, just these perceptions of them. There's, there's really nothing else.
0: I wonder sometimes, and I don't. I have saw freaks. Um, at, I was a projectionist at an art house um, back in the late '70s, and we screened it, and I watched it, and you know, sometimes I wonder about films like that. Is it because it was the first time uh, that I know of in cinema that will that this this was ever addressed and so in looking back on it now you know 60 70 80 years whatever it was later when it from when it came out is it a is it a matter of you know two steps forward one step back where and the fact that it was made and it seemed to be made in the context of the social acceptance or non-acceptance of people with physical disabilities was it was it a step forward, but then looking back on it, it's it's regressive in some way you can look at it now as a as, as, as you said, exploitative in some ways. I just wonder if if it should not get some due for at least I, I think and I may be wrong in what I'm saying here that it was at least an attempt to make to humanize people in the in, yeah,
1: I, I think that's one of the fascinating things about the film is that it's, it's really hard to place. In any context Because in some ways I think It's still one of the most Progressive films About the subject I mean I, I saw like Wonder Last year You know that uh, Which is about the subject And to me Freaks is A more progressive film Than, than Wonder is mm-hmm. So I, I think that In some ways um, it, it was humanizing and It was progressive But in other ways yeah. mm-hmm. You know It It, uh, it is sort of just a, a continuation of the sideshow tradition, right, I mean, which right. often is sort of pretending to humanize, you know, it's, it's showing people with disabilities and sort of just sitting there and saying, look at these,
0: right.
1: you know, these people who are supposed to be human just like you and me, but, right. you know, we just look at them. And, and the film is, I mean, one of the strange things about the film is that it's not really a film like any other film. It's it's not. It's mostly just sits there with these. Or you know, it, it mostly is these okay. documentary. Ele- it has these documentary elements. You know, it's just sort of staring at these characters, right. and you know, is that humanizing them or scowling at them? Cool. It's hard to tell, and so I think that that's the that's why the film is so complex and ambiguous and that's one of the reasons i i wanted to to make this deal with that film directly and and the other thing is you know that film after all these these sort of humanizing elements it has this weird ending where i don't know if uh you know people listening have seen the film but basically it's about this this beautiful able-bodied person who Sort of exploits the, the, the freak show the people in the freak show and uh, betrays them she, she tries to get money out of one of them and the freaks the so-called freaks supposedly have this code you know, offend one, you offend them all and so they take the revenge on her by disfiguring her and then the movie kind of ends right there and I'm kind of left wondering you know, what does this mean? does this mean that disfiguring someone is the worst punishment of all? It's like worse than killing somebody? Or is she liberated in some way? Like, what? what is this? What yeah. is the meaning of this? <laughs> so the original idea for my film was to continue Freaks where it left off with this person who had been disfigured and then following her life after that. And that was the very initial idea that I had. Yeah. But uh, it, it morphed. After that, and that's just a small element of my film, but that was like the initial
0: spark. I, I just want to remind our listeners we're speaking with Aaron Schimberg. He is the uh, director of the new film coming out here today, September 13th here in Los Angeles, called Chain for Life. And the film is uh, opening tonight at the New Art Theater, so um, right there off the 405 in Santa Monica Boulevard. You cannot miss it. If you get off the four oh five and you head towards the ocean you'll you can't miss the theater. It's right there. Are you in town for uh, any uh screenings for Q and A's?
1: No, I'm I'm not, but uh I think on uh, Friday and opening night uh Jess and Sari will be there for a Q and
0: A. Fantastic. Now um Let's talk about your film, this idea of the film within the film, and uh, was that something that we were, sort of a premise that you had from the beginning, or did it sort of evolve into that idea? I think it
1: evolved into it, I I don't remember exactly (laughs) how things (laughs) came together, but I, I like films about filmmaking, but I really had no intention of making one, I mean, I've only made one other film, and it's territory that other people have covered better than I would be able to, but uh, it allowed me to explore the topic in certain ways, you know, by sort of parodying the ways that cinema has portrayed disfiguring and showing uh, sort of parodying other films and then distancing myself from that by you know, showing how they make these films or showing reality versus fiction. So everything, to me, the the way it, it does uh, take place on a film set, but I try to actually make it totally unrealistic. It's not really based on... It's not really accurate. It's not an accurate representation <laughs> of, of filmmaking and everything that out of anybody's mouth, out of the grip where Gaffer's mouth had to sort of relate to the themes of the film instead of... Um, you know, filmmaking. Even though they do talk about other films, and they do talk about filmmaking, it all sort of relates back to the themes. Not it's not there as like a film school kind of joke. So um, it was just a way, also, to explore different attitudes and uh, about disfigurement through different periods. The film within a film takes place in the past, uh, in the nineteen forties, and. Uh, Film is being shot in the present day, so it allowed me to sort of compare and contrast different attitudes or how attitudes have changed or haven't changed.
0: Maybell and Rosenthal are the two two of the main characters in the film, and uh, before uh, Rosenthal shows up on set, there's this sort of exaggerated build up to his uh, to his accomplishments, to the person he is. Throughout the film, there's this sort of con- this contrast of the sort of overhyping uh, him as a his uh, in his abilities i mean maybe it's justified i i i don't want i want to be clear it, it's sort of but there's a constant stream of of dialogue about the 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 uh, accomplishments of of uh, rosenthal And I I mean, I just like the way that that sort of plays off of the dynamics in the film and of our perceptions of people with with physical disabilities. So I I I just like there's so much about this film that I like. I love the writing. I love the and the and the acting. And by the way, Adam Pearson, who uh, who really takes a hold of this role, uh, is just remarkable um, as the as the film as the film goes on. You you sort of see him. At the beginning, and at, you know, by midway through the film, he really has, in unexpected ways and very just amazing ways. I thought he was his performance was just absolutely wonderful. Well, um, tell us a little bit about him. <laughs> I'm curious. Where?
1: Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, I want to mention. I you know, I've I've sounded so serious during this interview, but uh, <laughs> because I'm self conscious, but I I think I think the film is. A comedy, I don't yes. know if you think so. Oh, I do, so I absolutely. Make, I want to make that clear. Me too, uh, to, thank you. To people uh, listening. But, because yeah. yeah. uh, it doesn't sound like it, I <laughs> guess, based on <laughs> what we're talking about. Right. But, um, Adam, So the, the, I was writing the, the script, and I wrote the character of Rosenthal uh, has neurofibromatosis and has, speaks with an elegant British accent. I don't know why I wrote this, but I I guess I was thinking of the elephant man um, who was thought to uh, have neurofibromatosis, although I think actually he he didn't, but he was once thought to to have that. And uh, so that's, I think, what I was thinking. And then about halfway through the script, I saw Adam under the skin. And usually I don't write roles for people, but I thought, you know, he's he has neurofibromatosis, and he speaks in this beautiful British accent. And uh, so I I started to sort of write with him in mind, but the fact is, I had no idea if he could act. He's in under the ski. He's very good in it, but it's a couple of minutes. The scene is is short, and apparently it was improvised, and... So, you know, I didn't really know, like, you know, what I, what he could do or couldn't do in terms of his acting abilities, and uh, he hadn't been in any kind of starring role. And I didn't really meet him in person until the day before the shoot. So, you know, he's the lead in my film, and as you know, the film often has, like, five to ten minute long takes where, you know, he <laughs> he's required to, you know, uh, remember his lines and his marks for ten minutes. And I, you know, it's a difficult thing for an actor or for somebody who's not an actor. Uh, so I was completely nervous, and everything could have fallen apart. But uh, you know, he's absolutely brilliant. I think it's just like it was just total luck. You know, he's a, he's a genius, and his he's a great actor, and. uh... He knew exactly what he was doing, but you know, I, I really had no way of knowing that. Um, so I was lucky. Oh,
0: and, well, uh, congrats! You know, I, I can't
1: take credit for it.
0: You know? <laughs> well, well, what do they say about hard work? Uh, luck is a residue of hard work, and and, and the other thing is, uh, this would would work. I think he's brilliant in this role uh, as Rosenthal, but at the same time, um, Maybell, who uh, was played by Jess Weixler. I was not familiar with her work and to be honest with you, I did not see Teeth. So um, for me I thought she was absolutely brilliant in this role and she's asked to do a lot of things as as is Adam Pearson, but they together are the sort of the what I would call the normal parts of the film, the the grounded parts of the film, and then almost everything else around them is sort of surreal. So they create this kind of for me, this kind of grounded center uh and then everybody else around them is in de- varying degrees it's almost a waiting for Godot sort of vibe to these other people that are uh that the characters in the in the film they sort of are almost disconnected in ways to each other but they they seem to be talking across each other is this fair am i saying this uh is this inaccurate yeah
1: i i, I think so Okay. And, and i agree jess is uh a brilliant actor and uh, you know, one of the most expressive actors I, I can think of. And their chemistry is also just, uh, you know, that, again, is sort of luck, you know, that, like, they <laughs> they hit it off in person. Uh, you know, I was there when they first met, and they just sort of had a rapport, and that, you know, came off in the film. And uh, it really does go a long way to uh, to carrying uh, that that relationship in the film, you, you can It's hard. It's hard to create that, but they, they haven't, They just had a rapport, and, and uh, it just it worked. Yeah, so I, I, again can't really take credit for it.
0: Well, the, 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 the scene, and it's and it's sort of uh, alluded to in the in the poster for the film, of them watching the dailies together is just brilliant um and uh there's just so many scenes together that I thought they were they just were wonderful uh, but it it if yeah I don't know what else to say about it except congratulations for getting those performances out of them um in the last well, thank couple, I, I will take credit. For it. <laughs> you can't. you you should. And in the Forget last, everything I said. <laughs> in the last couple of minutes, uh, I'm I'm very curious about the reaction that you've gotten. First of all, the the film is, I think, 100 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which for some is, well, you know, I know there's a that's a mixed bag. I know, I know. <laughs> I can't let, somebody's
1: gonna somebody's gonna tear me down tonight. I'm, I'm very proud, even though you know I, I've I, always. Hated Rotten Tomatoes. I, I've somehow I'm I'm really proud of this, <laughs> and I I feel like I'm just waiting for. I'm having nightmares about the guy who's gonna. Ruinous for me.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. And and I always, I bring up uh, Rotten Tomatoes with a lot of trepidation, but I just wanted people to understand the film is being um, being talked about in very, very positive ways. And as I said earlier, you know, it's, it's being talked about not only for the portrayals and for the storyline, but for the cleverness of the of the film itself, the way it unfolds, the sort of it pulls us out of these certain realities that we're in during the course of the film, and we're so it, it works on a lot of different levels. and And uh, to to that end, uh, uh, it should be talked about as a very successful. Um, that the critics have been very kind to the film, but I'm kind of curious about the reaction uh, of uh, the people in the film who are who are in it. And we, I'm, we've been talking about Adam Pearson a lot, but there are other people with. Uh, Dealing with physical uh, disabilities What's the reaction been yeah. among the cast?
1: Uh, I mean You know, I hate to speak for Anybody else, but uh, What I've heard from from Everybody is uh, That, uh, you know They are very proud of the film I mean, I, I never really worried About it, because for me it's a personal Film, and I, and I just sort of Trust in my own experience would Resonate in some Way with with the people in the film you know i felt uh that uh i was writing the kind of film that i've always wanted to see and that was always the reaction and, and uh so it's it's always been i i've i think everybody has uh is proud of, of the film but again i don't want to speak for anybody but you can ask them and <laughs> I, I think they'll tell you that
0: Oh, that's great! I'm so happy for you, as an artist and a filmmaker. And I, I, I really, truly love these kinds of films uh, uh, about things that we're just that are not normal, you know, film fare, and and to be able to pull it off as well as you did. And I could spend the next hour talking to you about the way the film influences are are some of them are there on. In terms of the the look of the film and some of the references in the film feel very familiar, but at the same time it feels like you made the film you wanted to make and God bless you. <laughs> I'm so glad. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, I'm so glad we were able to to pull this together. I know it was kind of a last minute thing for you, and I appreciate you finding time uh, to of do course. this. And uh, so let me let our audience once more uh, know that the film is called Chain for Life uh it is a brilliant film it is opening at the new art theater here in los angeles uh tonight uh friday september 13th at the new art and Jesse weixler will be there for a q and a and maybe some other people there with with her for the q and a so check that out and the film you can go to chain for life
1: Change for Life.
0: It's being distributed through uh, Kino Lorber, and I know it's there. So thank you, uh, Aaron uh, Schimberg, so much for finding some time to be here on Film School Radio.
1: Yeah, thank you for talking to me. Thanks for having me.